Josh Centers takes control of iOS 17 and iPadOS 17. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is supported by Mac Voices Magazine, our free magazine on Flipboard and on the web. Want to cut through all the noise and find out what you can do with your Apple gear? Mac Voices Magazine focuses on just that, aggregating the best how-to articles and information. Get it by searching for Mac Voices in the Flipboard app or visiting macvoices.com slash magazine. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, our trade of Take Control Authors continues uh, to address some of the new Apple hardware, the new Apple software, the system updates, and all those things. This time, and after entirely too long an absence, Josh Sanders is here. Josh, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for ha- finally having me back, Chuck. I was, uh, I was afraid you forgot about me. No, I, I never forgot about you. Um, I just know that you're wearing multiple hats now, and so I'm never quite sure about where you might be or what you might be doing. So, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> well, that's good. Then, then fair, fair game, fair game. Um, so we're going to talk about your new Take Control book, or I guess a new edition of. I'm not. I'm never quite sure when it comes to the system software, but this one is. Take control of iOS 17 and iPad OS 17. We've had yeah. these in our nice, hands for a little nice while. Title. Well, really, really. We've had these in our hands for a little while now. Um, and I feel like we're just finally sort of getting our, 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 feet, our feet under us when it comes to some of these things. There is expected to be a point one update coming out very shortly as we record this. So with that, what are your thoughts on iOS 17 and iPadOS 17? Oh, geez. Yeah, well, hold on. i got to check my book. What did they add? Um, so so iOS 17, is uh, it, it's interesting because it seems increasingly, you know, Apple's running out of things to add. It seems like increasingly they, they run out of uh, features to add. And so more and more we're seeing just lots of, small refinements to things. And I think the way Apple marketed iOS 17 was kind of haphazard. I, I feel like they're, they're a bit distracted with the, the Vision Pro and some of these side projects. Because like the big thing they came out with uh, advertising was stickers. And I'm not sure, you know, I don't know about the broader audience. I know my audience doesn't care about stickers. But, um, I, you know, we do cover them in the book. What a lot of the things I notice in iOS 17 now that's finally out, it, it's lot it's lots of little things, right? Like um, you know, and there's some things that are very nice to have. Um, one of those, um, if you have the second generation AirPods Pro, there are um, some fantastic improvements for that. Um, I just got these recently before launch of iOS 17, and then uh, once I got the new firmware and I got uh, the official version of iOS 17, it really opens up a lot of stuff. Like um, they've added a new adaptive audio mode. So previously you either had full transparency or you had noise canceling. You can switch between the two. Adaptive kind of fits in between the two of them, right? So like, um, so it tends to block things out unless it thinks you need to hear. That's probably the, the simplest way I can explain it. And probably my, my favorite thing they've added for the AirPods uh, in terms of noise cancellation is they added um, 
conversation awareness. And I've actually ended up using that quite a bit. Like I'll be at the gym and I tend to, you know, block all the external noise out. But if someone starts talking to me, you know, it's good to open that up, you know, so I, I'm, I'm not screaming at them. You know, I can actually hear my own voice. So what happens is when you start talking, it will, uh, it will lower the volume of any media you're listening to, like a podcast, and it will um, tune the external microphone to pick up voices better. So that's a really tremendous feature. I mean, if you're like the sort of person who lives in a city and you go, you know, walking around a lot and you like to use the noise cancellation or you listen to a podcast and someone starts talking to you, it's really nice for, you know, your podcast or your, you know, your music or whatever, you know, for, for the volume to lower and to be able to have a conversation on having to, you know, fumble with your AirPods and all that. Um, so it's just little, not, lots of nice little things like that. Um, one of my favorite features is uh, they finally made it so you can share an AirTag with another person. I got my wife um, an AirTag for her keys. She was always losing her keys. And then, of course, every time I had to borrow her keys for something, I started getting the stalker alerts like, you have an AirTag following you. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or then, you know, she lost her keys. I couldn't help her find them. I'd have to take her phone and show her where, you know, you open that and find my. Now I can just look that stuff up and actually have some more air tags now. I did some traveling recently. So I have air tags for like luggage, uh, my backpack, um, my keys, some other things. And so I can share those with her. And so if I lose those things, she can help me track them. So that's just something that really should have been included with the air tags from the start. But anyway, I'm, these probably aren't the marquee features, but you know, the, the longer I've done these, I think this is like 10, 10 of these books I've done now. I started with iOS eight. And uh, this is uh, the point where it's like, you know, I, I noticed lots of little things with iOS with each update. So, Josh, I think it's interesting you pick those those to talk about because both of those have to do with the iOS 17 and, well, iOS 17, obviously, for the iPhone, interacting with other devices within the Apple ecosystem. And so mm -hmm. I feel like th this may be something we're starting to see that, as you said, they keep they keep trying to find marquee features to add, and maybe they really don't need to. Maybe it's just this tightening down of the ecosystem and enhancing the ecosystem to be better when the devices are used together. Yeah, and that's something um, that becomes more of a challenge every summer when I work on these books because so many of these features. You know, once upon a time, it was like, this is a feature for iOS. This is a feature for the Mac. You know, this is a feature for the Apple Watch. Increasingly, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we're seeing is like ecosystem features. It's things added to the entire ecosystem and spread between the Mac, between iPhone, iPad, the Watch, probably the Vision Pro, even the Apple TV. Like one of the new features I just touch on in this book. I'm going to talk a lot more about it in the upcoming Apple TV book. But um, you can use continuity camera now uh, through FaceTime to uh, make calls on the Apple TV with an iPhone, um, which is a, an interesting thing. But that's just one example of how a lot of these things are becoming more ecosystem features than just a device-specific feature. And this is actually something I was talking with uh, Joe Kissel about today. Um, Joe Kissel, for those of you who don't know, is the, uh, he's the guy in charge of Take Control Publishing. He's my publisher. And, you know, that's one of the things I really like for us to do more of going forward is more collaborative efforts between 
you know, Joe's off doing the Mac book every summer. Um, Jeff Carlson's working on the watch OS book. A lot of times we end up covering the same feature just from different uh, perspectives. It'd be nice to, you know, have more synchronicity between all the platforms. Yeah. We, we've talked to, uh, to Jeff about the watch book, but that's an interest. You make an interesting point that it's almost impossible for you to do an iOS 17 book without talking about the AirPods, without talking about the watch. And it's arguably a challenge for Jeff to talk about the Apple Watch without talking about its interaction with the the iPhone and the other parts of the Apple ecosystem. So it, these these are no longer separate devices. And it, mm. I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm going to the thirty thousand foot level, but I just it it gives you it gives you more benefit the more of the Apple devices you decide to use instead of getting. Um, another a different watch or a different uh tablet or something you know that there are definite benefits to having everything under one roof yeah um well it's it's it only makes sense that apple leverages that because i i think this is one unique advantage they have you know leaps and bounds over everyone else on right like if you're a manufacturer selling an android phone or even if you're Google and you're maintaining Android, you can't really assume that your customer also has, you know, a Google TV or an Android tablet. Do they still make those? A Chromebook? You know, if you're Samsung, you can't assume. I mean, they might anyway, knowing Samsung. But Samsung can't assume that you also have a Samsung TV or a Samsung, I don't know. I don't even know what Samsung makes these days. Um, hair dryers. Um but, you know, you, you can't really assume that sort of thing. And that's something, you know, Apple, they sell you an iPhone. They're pretty sure they can sell you a watch at some point. They're pretty sure they can sell you AirPods at some point. They're pretty sure they, they might can sell you an Apple TV or at least an AirPlay compatible TV. So there's a lot of things Apple can push in the ecosystem that I don't think any of its competitors, such as they are, can do. Although it's interesting you say it's a benefit. Sometimes I find it a severe disadvantage. For example, and I know we both struggle with this, um, if you say the S word, which, by the way, that is one of the changes in uh, iOS 17. I'm not talking about the SH word. I'm talking about the um, everyone's favorite Apple-powered AI voice assistant that seems stuck in 2011 still. Um, so one of the things they've changed is that instead of, hey, S word, it's um, you just say the S word, which personally I found that frustrating because what I would really like is to have a customizable word, right? I like to be able to name uh, what you call, what I call my iPhone, what I call my HomePod, what I call my Mac. Because what happens so often now is I will call that out, and then I don't know which which device is going to answer. Um, I, I I give you that. That's that is an issue. One other issue I'm finding is that. Some devices still require the hey before others don't. Mm -hmm. And that can get confusing because I, if I'm trying, I mean, I guess you can try to use it to your advantage because then in theory, device A will accept the S lady only. So you say that and that's the device you're talking to as opposed to the other one. But it, I'm with you. It's too, it's too similar. I, if they, even if they gave you just a, a palette of words, because I, I recognize the fact that some people are going to have words that are difficult to understand for, you know, the uh, 
the AI. So give give me five or six different things that I could call my devices. And like you said, name each one. And then it's like naming your mm-hmm. kids. You know, you know which one to yell at. Yeah, my, my guess is it's probably the marketing department that's against that. I believe um, Amazon's voice assistant name starts with an A. I believe you can name those devices separately. I haven't used that ecosystem in a while, but so I, I'm pretty sure that's well within Apple's capabilities. That's probably more of a marketing department thing. Like, no, we have to let everyone know about this feature that I can't even mention on a podcast. Otherwise, every listener's uh, devices are insane. <laughs> You know, it's been a while since I set up one of the Amazon devices. But yes, I did have the option to call them, um, call it, let's see, what is it? Either A-L-E-X-A, I'll spell them now, that's the easiest way, Mm -hmm. um, or (laughs) E-C-H-O, because I have one of the E-C-H-O's in the room, so it'll answer if I say it. Um, In fact, it might answer if I don't say it, just maybe it's smart enough to know I'm spelling it. But, uh, yeah, so th- that, that is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Josh, Josh, what are your thoughts on, on the camera? I mean, that seems to be the, the big feature. Um, and it has been, has been, if not the big, one of the big ones over the last few releases. But this one gives us a 5X zoom through a little bit of, uh, of Apple magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I just got um, this phone. Let's see. It's been a little less than a week. Uh, I'm a bit of a late adopter this time. Actually, I'm, I'm a super late adopter because my previous iPhone was an iPhone 11 Pro. So I was like, you know, living way back in just a whole other pre-COVID era. So, yeah, there's, um, this one gives me, so I have a one, a two, or a three, and then I have a 0. 0.5. Um, so, yeah, I guess it depends on... I think the Pro Max has the 5X. It seems like it has an extra level of zoom or or something. So that I'm a little less familiar with. Um, I will say one thing that was surprising about iOS 17 is that it didn't offer a whole lot in terms of new camera features. There's a handful of things. I, I do think one thing that's really interesting and welcome is in the viewfinder. And this is for every iPhone that supports it. So this isn't device specific, but there is a, um, there's like a little level. Like if you, if you uh, open the camera and you kind of rotate it around like this, you'll see like a, a little broken line appear. And when you get it perfectly level, it like straightens out and then disappears. So if you're the kind of person, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we tend to take kind of crooked pictures, like that will actually help you straighten your camera out. So that's a, that's a really neat thing. Yeah, I, and those are the kind of little features I think that it's it's nice that now Apple sort of has the time to focus on because it does definitely improve the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, I'm not sure how many more features they could cram into the camera, right? Because there's so many. Like, there's the you got photographic styles, um, which I'm not sure people use a whole lot. Um, of course, you have portrait mode, you have the different backgrounds, you have um, the shared uh, libraries, you have night shift, you have HDR, you have live photos, you have the, you know, if you have the pro, you have the cinematic mode. Um, really, it's kind of a crazy number of features. And now that I have the the 15 Pro, um, you can you can do some interesting things with the 15 Pro. Like, well, for instance, 
of course, this has been the case, I think, since the 12 Pro, you can capture in Pro Raw. And on the 15 Pro, you can capture up to 48 megapixels. I think, like, each image is, like, 150 megabytes or something, so you have to be really careful with that. And another thing, and I'm going to include this in the next update to the book. I just learned this after phone. You can actually set uh, which lens you want as the default. So, of course, the iPhone 15 Pro has three lenses, and you can set whichever one you want as your default lens. So if you're always finding yourself like zooming in or zooming out, then you can set the default, which is interesting. You know, I've, I only became aware of that feature recently. And when I played with it, I kind of liked it because it seems like for whatever reason, I tend to like the longer shot. Um, and, and so I'm always mm-hmm. having to switch to that longer shot. And that doesn't mean I can't switch to something else, but when I whip my phone out, that's usually where I go. And this is just one less thing I have to do to be able to catch that that shot if I if if there's a, a time element involved. So really nice, nice new little feature. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I tend to I tend to use the telephoto a lot, so I don't have to like, you know, get up close to you know, I usually take a lot of pictures of my kids. And, you know, so I'll catch them doing something cute. And if I walk up on them, they'll, they'll stop doing it. So, you know, I can kind of you know, sneak off your distance and <laughs> zoom in on them. So why did you decide to go with the 15 Pro as opposed to the Pro Max? Um, oh, well, the Pro Max is just too dang big. It's too big and heavy. Um, I had, once upon a time, I had, I can't remember, maybe it was the 7. There was one of them, I, like, um, it was the seven plus I, I went with a big phone at one point and I kind of liked it, but after a while it just got, it got like literally painful, like holding it in your hand or maybe it was, yeah, it was the seven. I had the plus model on and I, I liked it. I liked the battery life, but it was just too much. And then when Apple, uh, when they moved to the iPhone 10 and you know, when they did that, they got rid of the home button. They, um, they were, greatly reduce the bezel size and also increase the screen real estate. And so I found myself pretty happy with, um, with that level, with that bounce from screen size and heft and overall size of the phone. So I've just stuck with that ever since. Oh, plus it's like, I think the pro max a hundred, two hundred dollars more expensive than the pro. Um, so I just, um, you know, I just, you know, don't go for the super big phone. Also, I, I very nearly went with the iPhone, just the regular iPhone 15, because a big part of why I've gone with the pro phones um, is for that, that telephoto lens. And until the iPhone 15, uh, you, you, you had to get the pro phone to have tele, have the built-in telephoto lens. Now, I may be getting this wrong. Joe keeps telling me I get this wrong, so hopefully I get it right this so my understanding is the um, on the iPhone 15, they they've what they've taken away the ultra wide lens, they replaced it with a telephoto lens, something like that. But anyway, so like the, the iPhone 15 actually has a 2x telephoto. So I very nearly went with that, and then I asked all the the other tech control authors like, well, which one did you get? Which one should I get? They're all like, get the pro, get the pro, which is you know probably the right choice for what I do. That I can document the action button stuff like that. But you know I don't. I don't think I'll ever get my money's worth truly out of the, out of the pro just as a user. Um, Cause I'm just, I'm not going to do anything that fancy. Like, um, I mean, heck the, the iPhone 10 was basically 
the limit of my photographic ability. But, you know, there are some cool things to play with and there's stuff I can document in these books that otherwise couldn't. Okay, so you mentioned the action button, and that's something I had on my list. I was anxious to hear your impressions of that and whether this is a step up, a step down, or just a step sideways. You know, honestly, I would say it's a step sideways. Um, so, uh, and I will be covering the action button in detail in the next uh, edition of the book, which will be a free update. Uh, hopefully, it will come out soon. So, I, I find it a step sideways just because. This is two reasons. One is uh, I don't see why that that's a pro feature. Um, I mean, they literally just replaced a switch with a button. I don't think that cost Apple any additional money. That seems like a strictly a gate, an artificial gatekeeping thing to me. Um, but also it's in the wrong place. Like I, I understand the simplicity of, oh, we had this switch up here. We put it, we'll put a button there instead. However, you know, for the reason that switch was there because it's in a kind of hard to reach place, right? Like you wouldn't just switch it accidentally. Um, so I find it actually really hard to press that. And I keep experimenting with like what I want to use the action button for. Um, I tried using it for the flashlight, but like trying to just ergonomically trying to reach up here and say so it totally unbalances the phone when you do that. Right. So like, you know, you have to like, you feel like you're going to drop the phone to press that button. Um, and of course, there's a flashlight button like right there at the bottom, you know, on the lock screen. So I didn't really find that very optimal. Right now, I'm using it for a color filter. I use a red color filter at night. Uh, the theory behind that is it blocks the blue light and uh, you're supposed to be able to sleep better. I'm not sure if that actually works, but it's something I've been experimenting with for a while. So I'm still playing with what you can do with it. What is cool is you can set that to a shortcut and there are some pretty impressive shortcuts out there that take advantage of the action button. Like if you can't decide uh, what to program your action button to do, you can create a shortcut with like a menu. And, and so you, you press the action button and the menu pops up and you select the thing, which I think kind of defeats some of the efficiency of it, but it's, you know, it's a neat thing you can do. Lots of neat stuff you can do there. I do want to comment very briefly on the interface. Um, so there's been a lot of press around the interface for the action button. If you go to settings action button on the iPhone 15 Pro, the interface for the action button is completely over the top. It's uh, it's very much a flashback to iOS 6 because it's a skeuomorphic view of the side of your iPhone. And then you swipe between the different functions you want the action button to do. And each one has like a different icon over it. So it's like it's it's like it's super visual, super skeuomorphic. I just found it hilarious because it you know Apple shifted so hard away from that sort of design with iOS 7 everyone's like oh no more skeuomorphic no more stitched leather and brushed aluminum we we've had enough of that stuff and now they've they've gone full circle back and it's I'm kind of curious why but I don't know oh, what what do you think about that Chuck did you think that do you think the interface for that is do you like that or do you think it's just kind of nuts I, you know it's funny Josh cuz I, I I, I have a bad habit, maybe it's a good habit, I'm not sure, of of just ignoring or not passing judgment on that kind of thing unless it gets in my way. And so I looked at it and kind of went, huh, and then just moved on. So I, I hadn't really thought about it as a as a callback to earlier versions. I mean, it it communicates what what each thing does efficiently, or at least I thought it did. And so as a result, 
I looked at it and said, okay, you know, it, I didn't think, I just didn't think about it that much because it was functional. And so that's you, what you I You have better things for. to think about. <laughs> well, well, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, a healthy I, and attitude. Well, and I'm not looking at it with a critical eye you are. You know, you're, you're looking at it from a completely different eye. Um, I just look at it, yeah. I guess, as, you know, is, is something functional or not? Is the, are the settings where I would expect them to be? And, you know, and here mm-hmm. you have something completely new. So they are where I expected them to be and they communicated what they do. Um, I, I mean, I went back to just having the, the mute unmute um, because I guess that's – I'm still playing with shortcuts, and I'm still trying to figure out if there's a shortcut that I feel like I would use frequently enough to assign it. But I do miss the idea that I can I can reach down and and don't have to press it uh, to see if it's if the ringer's on or not, as opposed to before mm-hmm. I could just I could I could feel it and I knew which direction which whether it was up or down. Now I have to push it and, and see it. On the other yeah. hand, that. You know, I lost that, but I I gained the ability to do some of these other things, and hopefully down the line assign more things, potential things to that button. So that's one I kind of feel for me. I'm in transition on. Yeah, um, honestly, I think the best possible use of that button is um, you can program it for voice memos, and you can you can press the button, hold it, and open up voice memos and start recording. If I used voice memos in that way, if I used like voice recording in that way, that would be amazing. Um, so if you are one of those people, then I think the pro is worth it probably just for that button alone. I personally, that's not the way I like to take notes, but that's sort of like my observation from using it for a bit. I, I do think that's probably the single neatest use case, assuming you take notes uh, with your voice. Hadn't thought about it. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. That harks back to days when I used one of those little handheld dictaphones that you could you yeah. know, just you know, hit the button on. Now you've got yeah. so it'll record, but then I got to go back and listen to them, and you know, unless I can get the S way yeah. to transcribe them for me. So, uh, Josh is back next time on Mac Voices to finish up our conversation about what's new in iOS 17, and then we shift to what's new in iPad OS 17. And Josh and I both have some strong feelings about how people are viewing their iPads, especially with the new operating systems. That's next time on Mac Voices. I'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.